This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And He Himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Amen. Well, let us sing our psalm of preparation as we come to this word from Psalm 1, Selection A. The wicked walk a different path 
that to destruction goes. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we ask that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word. We ask that you would add a blessing to the preaching of your word. And Lord, we ask that you would add a blessing to the hearing of your word. Let it prick our hearts and drive us to action. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, I do want to say that it is an honor to be here with you today. And I am thankful that I was asked to be here to open up the word of the Lord with you saints and to hear what he has prepared for us this day. As we have already read our passage, I want to now lay a little context for this passage that I believe will help us more rightly understand the text. This is a letter with a purpose, and that is to warn and expose false teachers that have found their way into the church and to encourage believers to stay faithful to the Christian faith. At this time, there were already perversions of the gospel making their way into various Christian communities. And from what John addresses in this letter, it appears as though this community had been influenced by the Greek philosophy known as dualism, or even an early form of Gnosticism that would more fully come to light in the century to follow. So keep that in mind as we look to examine this text, because it will help us as we approach our text today. And I want to ask you a question. You don't have to give an answer, but I want to pose it to you for you to think about. What is fellowship? Seems simple. The dictionary definition is that it's a friendly association, especially with people who share one's interests. Simple enough. Now, there's a fellowship that could be found in sporting events. We've seen this. Back in 2016, I went to a Boston Red Sox game and I went to one at Fenway Park. It was a dream of mine, and I finally made my way to Boston and did it. I was just a young Southern guy with very little in common with the Bostonians that surrounded me in that ballpark. 
But from the very first interaction that I had with someone in that city, I felt a connection, a sort of kindred bond. I was no longer just an Alabama boy who had made his way too far north. No, when I, when I donned that David Ortiz jersey, I was welcomed into the fellowship of the Red Sox nation. But is this the fellowship that's being talked about in our passage today? Well, of course not. Be silly to say that that's what's being talked about. The fellowship that I experienced at Fenway was a fleeting fellowship. It had no real substance. But the same isn't true of Christian fellowship. There's something quite unique about the fellowship that believers have with God and with one another. It's not a fleeting fellowship. It does have substance. Now, many of you may be familiar with the Greek term koinonia. It seems to be popular in the church today. And that term is translated as fellowship. Koinonia is an intimacy. It's, it's a uniting together with one another because of who you are. In Galatians 3, Paul says that believers are one in Christ Jesus. We are united with God in Christ Jesus, and we're also united with one another in Christ Jesus. This is Christian fellowship, that we are one with God and with our brothers and sisters in the faith. And this is the exhortation to you in this passage. Pursue Christian fellowship. And John gives three ways in which you can have Christian fellowship. First, walk in the light. Next, confess your sins. And finally, trust in Christ. Walk in the light, confess your sins, and trust in Christ. The first way you can have Christian fellowship is to walk in the light. We see this in verses 5-7. through Let's look back at our passage. This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So what is meant by walking in the light? 
To understand this, you must first understand what the light is. And John is very clear in telling us what the light is. He says plainly, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, this wouldn't be an entirely foreign concept to the believers at this time because light was associated with excellence and purity and integrity and wisdom and so forth. And as such, it was an appropriate and a common way of speaking of the divine. The statement depicts the Father as absolute, infinite, transcendent, and holy other. It suggests ubiquity, brightness, happiness, intelligence, truth, purity, holiness. It suggests excellence without limit and without taint. Light is the condition of beauty. And it's therefore sweet, as Ecclesiastes 11.7 tells us. Light symbolizes God's flawless perfection. That God is light means that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the world's only authentic and reliable source of life, hope, an abundant blessing. And it is in the light, in the, in the glory of who God is, that you are to walk. Fellowship with the God of light is evidence of the power of the gospel in your lives. To walk in the light is, first of all, to receive and embrace that light by faith. That means to believe on the name of God's Son, Jesus Christ, and then to act upon one's faith, living in obedience to God's commands and doing the things which please Him. And this walking in the light is contrasted with walking in darkness. If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. To walk in darkness is to reject the light and to go on in the way of sin in the way of the world, in the way of the wicked one, Satan. To do so is to love darkness and to hate the light. Examine yourselves. Are you walking in the light? Or are you walking in darkness? Are you pursuing the holiness without which no man will see the Lord? Or are you continuing in sin in hopes that grace may abound? 
Paul says in Galatians 5, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, which of these two lists characterizes your life? The table of the Lord is set before you today, and the call of Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 is to examine yourselves before you take of these elements. If you're walking in darkness, you can't partake of the supper for you risk eating and drinking damnation upon yourself but if you're walking in the light this table is for you brothers and sisters walk in the light for it is in the light that the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses you from all Sin. And as you walk in the light, you must also confess your sins. Look with me back at the text, beginning in verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. Most of us here have never made the claim that we have no sin. We don't believe in sinless perfectionism. We're Reformed Presbyterians, not Wesleyan Methodists. But sinless perfectionism, being able to be completely free from sin, that's not what's being spoken of here in this passage. There's no evidence that, the, that a teaching of sinless perfectionism had swept into the teaching of the first century Near East. But what there is evidence of are those false teachings that had begun to influence the church. There's evidence of the Greek philosophy of dualism. 
creeping into the church. There is evidence of an early form of Gnosticism that had begun to make its way into the body of believers. And this is what John is arguing against. It's not sinless perfectionism in view, but instead the idea that the spiritual is good and the physical is bad. So then the things done in the physical have no bearing on the spiritual. This thought led people to believe that if the flesh does wrong, then the spirit can't be held accountable for it. And therefore, one is free from the guilt of physical sin. Now, if this sounds absolutely insane to you, good, because it is. It's heresy and it ought to be outright condemned. But the concern for you today ought to be whether or not you are falling for a softened form of this ancient heresy. Do you excuse your sinful actions by blaming it on the flesh? Do you justify your sinful actions by appealing to your justification and saying that you're saved, therefore you're good? Brothers and sisters, this is the error of the antinomians. Those who deny the law of God and its role in the life of the believer. And if this is your disposition, this is your inclination towards sin, it ought to cause you great concern. For it may be evidence that the truth is not in you. By saying you have no sin, even in the more subtle ways that we're prone to do so, we make God a liar and His Word is not in us. Don't prove yourself to be a hypocrite professing Christ but not being His. Don't be deceived by this. People who say that they're Christians but are not, they, they drift throughout this life in a haze of self-deception. They don't question or examine themselves. They go on deceived until they come to the last day. And then, then they suddenly realize that they've been living in darkness because they hate the light. But this doesn't have to be you. If you feel alienated from God, run to Christ's blood. Ask Him to persuade you that there is no other way to live. And go and meet God in the light.
Ask Him to convict you of how dreadful and dangerous it is to live and die in darkness. There is hope if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here John offers real hope, real help to Christians and indeed to anyone that is burdened with the guilt of particular sins. Guilt and grief do not have to oppress you. A just and a faithful God has appointed a way for you to obtain His forgiveness and be cleaned afresh by the blood of Christ. If you are a believer, if you are walking in the light, your comfort is that Jesus stood in your guilty place. Bearing your load, removing your guilt, canceling your debt, and nailing your curse to his cross. He took your punishment to the grave and he buried it there forever. And this is one of the primary things that is signified. In the Lord's Supper. The broken body. The spilled blood. They're on display before you today. See the work of Christ Jesus on behalf of His people. Redeeming them. Cleansing them from all of their sins. And if you're walking in the light, you will see the need to confess your sins. It will become painfully obvious where you are falling short. Take a second and think back to when you were a child or, or children. Think of, think of whether or not you've done this. When I was a child... I looked at the sun against my mother's wishes, against everything that I knew was right. I looked at the sun and my eyes began to burn and they began to water. And eventually I had to look away because the brightness of the sun was too much to bear. But eventually, I opened my eyes again and I began to look around. And as the world around me began to come back into focus, I couldn't help but notice that compared to the brightness of the sun, everything around me seemed to be cloaked in a cloud of darkness. 
Well, the Apostle John provides a similar experience here. He sets before us the vision of God in absolute light, a a light that's far greater and purer than that spotted sun up above. And in so doing, he, He wants you to experience and recognize the blackness that is all around us. And the blackness that is within us. He wants us to see that the blackness of our sin and the great darkness that is exposed only when we gaze intently at the perfect light of God. God's holiness shows our unholiness. And thus, it shows us the need for an incarnate and crucified Christ to wash us in His holy blood. If you are to pursue Christian fellowship, if you are to approach this table set before you and partake of the body and blood of Christ, you must confess your sins knowing that He is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In this walking in the light, in this confessing your sins, culminates in the third way in which you can be sure to have Christian fellowship. And that is trust in Christ. Let's look back at the final two verses of our passage. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And He Himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the whole world. John's purpose in writing these things is... Not that you be perfect, because that's an impossibility this side of glory. The purpose is to encourage you to strive after perfection, which is only found in Christ. There is a standard, and you ought to be aiming at the standard in everything that you do, even knowing that you will fail to meet it. And when you do fail, because you will, hear the comforting words of our Lord. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. 
Jesus Christ, the righteous. This ought to bring you peace when your heart is troubled by your sins and you feel too ashamed to even enter into the presence of the Lord to plead for forgiveness. Christ Jesus is your advocate. Now this term advocate may not be a familiar one to you. It's a legal term that was used in ancient courts and it's it's similar to an attorney, a lawyer, who pleads your case on your behalf, who makes your defense for you. And when you hire an attorney today, he or she is usually a professional, or you hope that they are a professional. But in the New Testament times, you would have asked your best friend to be your advocate. That friend's, uh, that friend's appearing with you and speaking for you was a proof of your friendship. It was a proof of true friendship. Now the word for advocate here is parakletos. And if you are a believer, you need to be reminded that you have a parakletos with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous your best friend and advocate whom you call on to come alongside to help you. Does that make it clearer how comforting this truth is? When our hearts condemn us, we lay our hearts before Christ. Confess with Charles Spurgeon, sinner as I am and never more consciously so than I am now that God's Spirit has enlightened me, I yet know that if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And I, black, foul, and filthy, more foul and filthy than I ever thought myself to be, put my case into the hand of my advocate, and I leave it there forever. Do the same thing. Hand it over to Christ your advocate, and leave it there Examine yourselves. Do you have an advocate with the Father? Does Christ plead your cause before the judgment seat of God in heaven? Or do you think that you can argue your own defense? If you can't say that He is your advocate, Cry out 
to him. Repent and put your trust in him. Christ Jesus is the propitiation for our sins and not only ours, but also for the whole world. If you will turn from your sin today and trust in Christ, this will be true of you as well. Hear the call of the gospel. Christ Jesus, the second person of the triune God, took on human flesh, lived a perfect and sinless life, and offered up his life as a sacrifice on behalf of his people. He was crucified, died, and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And if you cry out to the Lord, he will forgive you and cleanse you from all your unrighteousness, sealing you with the Holy Spirit, the guarantor of the promise. And you too will be able to say, that you have an advocate before the Father. And it is in Him, in Christ, that you will find true fellowship with God and with fellow believers. You must trust in Christ. Brothers and sisters, the Lord is the one who works within you to bring you into this union with Himself and fellow believers. He didn't just bring you to faith and then leave you on your own. No, He cares for you. And He works in you. When a farmer sows his seed, he doesn't just say, my job is over now. No, he, his work has only just begun. He's sown the seed, but now he has to uh, think about the harvest that the seed will produce. And so the farmer watches over his seed, fertilizing and watering it, anticipating that harvest to come. And so it is with the Lord. When God plants the seed of new life into your hearts, He lovingly tends it so that we may ultimately be transformed in heart and mind and life and conformed into the image of His Son. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Part of completing that good work is to bring you into fellowship with Himself and with your brothers and sisters 
in Christ. So how can you have Christian fellowship? Walk in the light. Confess your sins and trust in Christ. All the while knowing that He is working all things in you to bring you to perfection. So as you come to the Lord's table this day, examine yourselves to see if you are truly walking in the light or wandering around hopelessly in darkness. And if you are truly His, partake of this supper knowing what it represents, who it is that is present in it, and that it is a visible sign of being one body, united in Christ by His death. Brothers and sisters, let us pursue Christian fellowship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would unite us, that we would be one in Christ Jesus, that there would be nothing driving between us, but that we would look to our King and Head, Christ Jesus, and realize we are all one body. Father, we ask that you would send your Spirit to guide us on the paths of righteousness, that we wouldn't walk in the way of the sinner but that we would walk in the light as you are in the light. And Father, when we stumble, when we fail, when we do not live according to the standard, when we sin and commit cosmic treason against you, holy, infinite God, We confess those sins to you, knowing that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we trust that that will be so because of the spilled blood and the broken body of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we trust in it. And we rest upon him. So Father, if we have hidden sins within us, if we are not walking in the light, if we are deceiving ourselves, let us confess that. Father, bring it to light. Reveal it to us. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And let us approach this table as one body eating from one bread, which is Christ Jesus himself. 
and let us partake of this glorious fellowship with the triune God and with our brothers and sisters here. Let us meditate on these truths as we go forth throughout this week. And it's in Christ Jesus' name that we lift all of these things up to you. Amen.